Welcome to Funeral Gurus Radio. I'm your host, Robin Heppel from FuneralFutures.com. Today we're continuing our pre-conference interviews for ICCFA's annual convention that is going to be held in Las Vegas, Nevada from March 19th to the 22nd. Today's guest is Matt Grieco, who is the COO of Grieco Family Funeral Homes in southeastern Pennsylvania and Delaware. Matt, welcome to Funeral Gurus. <clears throat> Good to be here. Thank you, Hep. Hey, now, uh, Matt, maybe just uh, for the folks that uh, haven't met you yet, just provide a little bit of background about yourself and, uh, and your firm. Well, I'm a, a first-generation funeral director and um, bought my first firm with some, some assistance from my, a personal advisor um, at, uh, in 1999. And from that point, <clears throat> uh, loved the business, grew into it, and uh, uh, took on a partner, and we've expanded the business I got into the business for my own experiences with loss. That's what kind of brought me to the funeral experience. And um, today we have firms again in, in southeastern PA and, and Delaware, and we serve close to a uh, thousand clients a year. So um, I'm primarily, though, my daily role is a funeral director, and then we also uh, uh, work together on on managing the company. Okay, great. Now, um, and and along that lines, because. Uh, uh, I think um, with your with your presentation, which is titled "Funeral Directing: <coughs> Stepping Out of the Shadows," um, and it sounds like you get lots of daily firsthand experience. So maybe just provide a little bit of background about um, you know what your observations have been and and why mm-hmm. we should be um, not uh, standing at the back, you know, kind of being out of sight, out of mind. Well, I've always been a bit of a performer, I guess you could say. So that's definitely helped. I, you know, I was a musician, or I still am a musician. I played trumpet often in church and for our funeral ceremonies. I did acting in high school. And, you know, so as I've grown into this profession, I've realized that, you know, wow, I really have an opportunity to, you know, enter, not entertain necessarily, but certainly inspire. I, I like to say touch, move, and inspire people when I speak in front of them. And that I have a huge opportunity when I'm standing there to continue to brand myself, the funeral home name, uh, which is obviously partially me, and um, and really give people a meaningful experience. And so that's really evolved on my own um, the last couple of years. And then it's been fortified by other industry experts, yourself and others, uh, Alan Creedy, a lot of people out there that are really talking about this funeral experience and, and emceeing funerals. Also reinforced by experience I had, I won't name the firm, but <clears throat> we had a family death in another funeral home. I was the guest, and they let me participate a little bit. But what I was taken by was the fact that the funeral director never gave any verbal direction until the people were in their cars and they were explaining, you know, here's your tag for, for the procession. There was never any communication at all. They were walking around, but never a word. And I had never experienced that. And I thought to myself, this is a, a large, reputable firm, you know, that's close to the size of our company, and they're not talking. So that just reinforced the fact that, wow, there maybe really is a need out there in this industry to maybe have some discussion about this. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, um, you know what, I, I totally agree from um, my, my participation as a funeral director working on you know, thousands, literally thousands of funerals. And uh, in our market, where we saw, you know, people go from uh, traditional funerals to memorial funerals or memorial services to saying that, um, you know, oh, we don't need you at the church because they, right. they obviously don't see any value. 
to, um, you know, I took the celebrant training with, uh, yep. with Doug and Glenda and, um, and f- force myself to, you know, it's not comfortable being up there, but, um, it's a totally different perspective emceeing a service from, and everything that you can observe and do from the front of the chapel versus standing at the back of the chapel. Yeah, well, and you touched on some of the statistics. I mean, it's, it's staggering. And, you know, I think it's really almost taken us overnight. In the last five to 10 years, cremation rate's grown from you know, 1% a year of growth to 2%. Um, you know, the internet, no offense, Hep, you know, you with all your <laughs> Facebook tra- training and social media stuff, which is absolutely amazing, you know, it's giving people, not just you, but our society is becoming internet-based to the point where, you know, why am I going to a funeral home? You know, coupled with people don't experience a death more than every 10 to 20 years in most cases. So when that does occur and that all their experience was was 10, 15 years ago when grandma was, you know, caked up with makeup and an experience they didn't understand, didn't like, and then a death occurs 15 years later for dad, well, I'm not going to do this for dad. So they have nothing to compare to. So we're kind of in this world where we have these opportunities, I think, when we're standing in front of people to do something different, to really touch, move, and inspire people um, beyond their wildest dreams and to give them really the opportunity to start the grieving process very effectively. And we can't wait for the ministers to do that. We have to take control a little bit, take some risk, as you said, put ourselves out there and be a piece of this ceremony. And then coupled, you know, having doing that, we're going to just rebrand ourselves and they're going to remember us and they're not going to know, they're going to know exactly where to turn when a death occurs again. Yeah. I, I've always thought that, um, uh, you know, the way, if we could do this one thing and I, and I, I really believe that if everyone did this one thing in 10 years time, you know, we wouldn't have this problem of, uh, the families not wanting us because they don't see any value and, and maybe, you know, maybe it would be the service in the backyard or the back garden, but they're going to say, oh, well, we still need the funeral guy or the funeral gal to be here to, like, make, to make sure everything goes fine. You know, Absolutely. like, like that's, that's the, where we need to be instead of, um, well, why do we, um, why do we need you? You know, we don't exactly. want that question. Exactly. Um, we, one of my directors uh, about six months ago had a Grateful Dead themed funeral at the family home. It was a seven grand, you know, transaction. Um, and not to be insensitive, <laughs> I hope yeah. I'm not being. This is an industry discussion, but sure. um, you know, the, and frankly, it was him bringing up the idea. Um, he gets it now. He and it's another example I'll talk about. He's my um, leader or director of mortuary affairs for us so he does not typically doing arrangements or directing funerals um, if 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 I had someone to replace him potentially in that division I might immediately put him into an arranging role because he's so good at it mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's one of the things we'll talk about is you know who in your staff is best suited to do this and you might not even know it well and I think too over time we're we're needing to evolve the you know the basically the job description and, um, you know, taking, you know, someone who's a great embalming technician and someone who's great with families and being able to direct funerals, those are, those are a wide varying set of skills right. um, that not everyone has. And actually, I think fewer people have. And, right. and so, especially over the last 10, 15 years, you know, people have, you know, bigger firms are able to, 
you know, let people focus on their strengths. Sure. Sure. But uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've always thought that you kind of need, um, you know, maybe that newer role that, hey, you know, this isn't a, you know, stay in the shadows kind of thing, as your talk suggests. It's, right. uh, you know, we need someone who's going to be, you know, those have those Toastmaster skills or those emceeing skills because, um, you know, this is this is part of your role. Well, you touched on a good point. Toastmasters is one of the tips that I'll share. I'm going to my first Toastmasters meeting next week. And for those that don't know what that is, it's a, a nationally national group um, of chapters in each, each state, each town that uh, is all about uh, public speaking. And so you really, uh, you join this group and you, you public speak in front of uh, your peers um, every week or once a month, I guess. So I'm going to be taking that um, to get some good training. I, I went to, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Nick Morgan, can't can't believe I forgot him. He's up in Boston. He spoke at ICCFA, and a bunch of us from the industry went up to hear his training for public speaking. So those are little things that we can do to to increase our skills. But frankly, the biggest thing I'm learning, and I've learned this the last couple of years, is you have to just get out there and do it. You're not going to get better at it until you you actually do it, and you got to take some risk. And um, risk is scary, but it's, uh, it's absolutely, I mean, my observation necessary in this business, our business as much or more than any other business out there to stay relevant. Yeah. So, so true. And, and for, for so long, we've just left it up to the clergy, clergy to do it. And right. a lot of times they've done a crappy job. And I think, right. you know, where I've come from, even though, you know, I'm not in, <laughs> in uh, day-to-day funeral service anymore, whenever Whenever I get asked to be involved, I I want I almost want to make sure that that you know I kind of suggest oh well you know we can have someone to organize and kind of play the role of the MC mm-hmm. because if I'm going to be associated with that funeral I want it to be a really good funeral mm-hmm. and the only way that I can do that is to make sure that um, <laughs> you know that I have, I'm in that control right. and I and I really think that. I would hope that funeral homeowners and managers would want the same. Like, you know, these, this is our biggest marketing. We talk about all these other marketing things, but you know, these opportunities where we have a hundred, 150 people in our facility, you know, we're getting hours of exposure, 150 hours <clears throat> worth of exposure in that one hour. That's right. All those people. And you can't you, pay for that. No. I mean, it's, it is priceless advertising right then and there. And I, and I hear the comments. I'm frankly blown away by the comments I'm getting when I emcee a funeral versus when I'm just the director. And the comments are profoundly different. And the words, that I have tons of emails that, that people are saying. And, and frankly, you know, wouldn't it be amazing at the graveside or at the reception where the family is making their comments publicly to everyone, thanking them for being there? And I'd like to thank the hospice. I'd also like to thank Matt Greco uh, for taking care of everything and emceeing the funeral or whatever, where it's normally the hospice, the clergy, and her close friend, Vicky. You, yeah. know, you know, when we are acknowledged uh, publicly, there is nothing better for our for our business and that firm. One thing I wanted to also clarify too, uh, Selbin training. I am absolutely one hundred percent for that. I actually haven't taken it yet, interestingly enough. Um, and so, it's probably good for this talk because I'm going to basically talk about my own personal observations with su- the support of others. Um, and I believe what I'm going to find once I do take Selbin training is that what I'm talking about is complementary to it. Um, 
And because one of the things I'm going to talk about is, again, putting yourself out there, not just in the funeral home, but out in the community. All the non-for-profit stuff that I personally do has also helped to brand me and given me the opportunity to speak in front of, of large groups, again, further branding um, our firm. Yeah, it, it's it's so necessary. And, and yeah, they're going to now see you there. And, right. uh, and, you know, parts of your, you know, other members of your staff who are taking that, that active role and... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, as you said, there's no no better no better marketing than um, right. than that. It's, it is priceless. Well, I think like one of the things you said it is it is apparently in my own company as an example very unique. I'm really the only one really kind of testing my theories so far, um, and that's the way my partner and I like it. You know, I have a I have something I want to try and test. Well, this M scene is still somewhat fresh. I'm, I'm tweaking my game as I go um, and perfecting it to the point where it's it, where it really has kind of a system behind it. I'm going to start to present it to my partner and my, my staff, but I'm not actually there yet. So, but I think it's, it's necessary and it's coming. Well, and I, I really think that we've, you know, we've seen hundreds of funerals. We've seen more funerals in the clergy that we're asking. Right. So, you know, it's, I, I think I do it because people say, "Oh, you're just so good at that. That just must come naturally." Well, right. no, it's it's right. you know it's nerve wracking, but it is. <laughs> I uh, you know I what I do is um, I put I just think okay is the you know is the benefit that the family is going to receive or the benefit that the funeral home is going to receive greater than my own you know self interest of like put, not putting myself in a you know, in an uncomfortable position. Now, um, you do, you do need a little bit of confidence, but I think even for your first time and the great thing about, um, Doug and Glenda's celebrant training is that they make you go through, you know, you go through a live, uh, ceremony, a a live celebration that you, you and your little group of people all put together. So out of, you know, after that training, you've already got one behind your, you know, under your belt and just go from there. And, uh, you know, right. maybe start with a small one, or maybe start with it with people that um, you know, someone that you know. Uh, but I, it's going to be what you're going to find is it's going to be more, more applicable to you know a younger person who has died, and it, there's yes. going to be three, four, five, five hundred people at the service. Right. And uh, you know what? After I think afterwards, pe- people just once you get on the other side, you really think. You know what? We got to. We have to do this more often because you hear the. You know, and I've heard it, and unfortunately, just you know, recently with um, a friend dying and and looking mm-hmm. after that, people just the the family first of all f- sees so much more into what we do when we're that that right. involved, and then that visible. Al- yeah. Also, everyone else. You know, just that's right. wow, that's just that's just great. You know, um, you know, if that's I, right. you know, can we call on you? If we ever have an issue, and that's right, it's exponential. It's not you're not there to just inspire the family. You're there to help them grieve effectively, take that first step. But you absolutely let's make no, no doubt about it that you're there to engage the audience in a way that they are not expecting, and they're going to be talking about it. Um, and <clears throat> one of the things I was going to say about Nick Morgan um, and the training I got through his group uh, that was profound to me is that. You know, what is some very small percentage of people in our society will actually get up and talk to a group. And so what you gain by even just being there, saying almost anything, is that you've gained their respect because you're actually talking. They're not. 
mm-hmm. and they they already have a respect for someone who's speaking um, to them. And then the other thing is that is the nonverbal um, energy and the communication from public speaking that that a, a very high percentage, seventy five percent of it is nonverbal. And so you could almost get up there and talk about the Smurfs and, you know, and be moving your arms effectively, the inflection in your voice, the tone, the eye contact, it's all part of the presentation and which will inspire the audience. So I'll talk a little bit about those kind of things too. Okay. Oh, that's great. Well, Matt, what about, um, can you maybe share like the first time that you did it? Like maybe just go through yeah. that experience? <clears throat> I think that it's probably only been in the last couple of years. Um, and that's a good question. I actually probably don't recall exactly. Uh, but I know that the first, let's say, five, ten times that, like you said, I was getting bits and pieces of positive energy and indication that, okay, while I was very self-critical of what I did, um, you know, I shouldn't have said that or maybe that didn't come out as smooth as I thought. I kept doing it, and you know, as you sort of are indicating, you know, it, there was never a time where anyone came up afterward and said, "Matt, that was really weird," and why did you do that? Um, you know, uh, I, I wish we just had the twenty-third Psalm and the Lord's Prayer and a, a fifteen-minute eulogy from the minister. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no one's no one's saying that. Uh, and and that, let's be clear, we're not here, obviously, to put down the ministers. And as as you know, Doug Gober is going to be talking about you know content and the minister and the funeral director and the family um, as well. It, there's absolutely a complimentary situation when we're emceeing with a funeral director, and again, I mean, with a minister. And again, that's the delineation here between what I'm talking about and celebrant training is that I'm talking. We as funeral directors should be emceeing at every ceremony, minister there or not. And that it's a team effort, and what I'm finding is these ministers are really connecting with that. Yeah, like I, th- I think that's one of the first objections that I've I've always heard is, oh well, I'm, you're going to piss off the minister if if you're right. if you're going to be seen as taking right. it taking it away. What so you know have they ever said, hey, no, you know, I want more control. No, no, exactly not. Yeah. And in fact, uh, you know, I had an arrangement conference two days ago and uh, it was going to be at the church. The minister actually came to the arrangement. You know, a lot of us get goofy when our ministers come to the funeral arrangement because we don't like them there. But I welcome it. And this guy I had met before. In fact, I had emceed. This is even better. I, I officiated a graveside ceremony and met this minister who was just a guest about six months before. Today, he comes as the minister for a client, another client. And again, walks in the door, we're engaged immediately in conversation because I gained respect, his respect, at that graveside. And he never felt threatened. And he said, absolutely, Matt, I I know you're going to help this family. And I'm so glad you're going to be involved at our church, you know, this Friday. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, again, the more we start doing it, like we can, can, uh, you know, quarterback this thing to death and you know come up with all the reasons why we shouldn't but right. you know if oh, we, it's very easy to do that yeah very, very easy and if we just start doing it in the in the course of a couple of years people won't think people won't know what it's like not to have it right right exactly absolutely um let's let's face it, one of the stats i i won't get this exactly but 25 it's only about 25 percent of our society is churched um, so therefore, ceremony is not, or, or religion at least, is not in their daily lives, for better or for worse. And so when a death occurs, they don't want it then either, necessarily. And so I got to give them, we have to give them something different that is still going to allow them to grieve effectively. 
And I'm all for religion. I'm Episcopalian. I go to church regularly, and I can't imagine it not in my ceremony. But I'm not my my clientele. Mm. Well, hey, Matt, this is uh, this has been great. Before I let you go, is there uh, any last things that you want to share about the uh, uh, what the folks are going to receive or what they can take out of your presentation in Vegas? Uh, you know, just uh, that they you know are empowered to to go home and consider what I have to say. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's all about action in our industry right now. There's a lot of talk, but let's get blunt with each other and and realize you know we're all in this together. The industry is changing overnight, and um, uh, we have a huge opportunity to right the ship, if you will, in terms of ceremony. Ceremony is going away. It is not a question, and and it's going to other venues like hospice and other churches. You know, we all know what our competition is, or we should. So it's time to step up and and uh, really move and inspire our clients and their guests. Well, Matt, it sounds like um, your your talk's going to be inspirational, and and I'm glad that you're talking uh, you know talking about this. As as you can tell, I'm totally passionate about that. Yeah. And, and when I uh, when I saw the outline, I said, "Well, I got to get Matt on on one of the interviews because uh, um, I really I do believe that you know this is one of those things that can really." Um, help us overall and and it's going to help if if you're the only firm in your town that does it people are like shop price shoppers and stuff like that that will right. start to get you know won't be as important because they'll just go oh well hey we need the where's the, what's matt's last name yeah right. yeah we need him to you know to look after things right and you kind of oh, yeah. get that uh um you know that yeah. get that following and and your company kind of goes with that so that's right that's right how do you stay unique yeah. and uh it's it's time you're right so you're hitting the nail on the head and i'm flattered that you called and um so i'm looking forward to this is my first time uh, speaking to a group this size and for this long but i think it's a good topic that hopefully will engage the audience hopefully there'll be some participation <laughs> well hey i'm i'm sure there will and matt i know you're going to do a great job and um thanks for t- uh, tackling this topic cuz it's uh, yeah. super important Thank you, my honor. Well, I'd like to thank Matt Greco for from Greco Family Funeral Homes in southeastern Pennsylvania and Delaware, who is going to be presenting Funeral Directing, Stepping Out of the Shadows, at ICCFA's annual convention that is going to be held in Las Vegas, Nevada, from March 19th to the 22nd. For more information and registration details, visit www.iccfa.com. Check back soon for another ICCFA pre-conference interview. On behalf of FuneralGurus.com, This is Robin Heppel.